A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Hello everyone, you're listening to Main Menu for the 24th of November 2017. Your co-host Jason Castanway is speaking. This week we have quite a team assembled as we speak with Peter Zetterberg and Russ McMacken from Wanderword, a very innovative and immersive sounding gaming platform. Joe Steinkamp joins us once again, and Larry Turnbull and Randy Rusnak are with us as well. Joe has a lot of gaming background, so it may get a little technical in here, but it's all about having fun and learning about the system. After our talk, you will hear some demonstrations of WanderWord, and then we bring you over to another kind of tech as Debbie Hazelton demonstrates the Caregiver Alert System. Then, if there's a little time left, I'll be back. Here's that little announcement, and let the show begin. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody. This is Randy Rusnak speaking. I'm here with Main Menu, and we have Jason Castanway as my co-host. Hi there. Joe Steinkamp, and he is another co-host at the moment. And we have Peter and Russ. I welcome you guys aboard, and we are going to talk about WanderWord, right? Yes, that's right. That's Terrific. very good. And just uh, just for the audience, uh, could you explain a little bit about what WanderWord is? And then I've got a couple of questions for you. Then, Joey, we can just open it up with you. Go ahead there. Uh, who wants to take it? Peter? Sure, I'll take it. So WanderWord is a, a kind of audio-based, inclusive, interactive stories for people. So you play, you can imagine you play or uh, listen to an audiobook and you uh, and you kind of you're just a passenger on this train that takes you to the inevitable end. Instead of just listening with Wonder Word, you can actually speak back to the story and tell the story what you want to do and the story sh- kind of takes another path in the narrative or t- kind of you figure things out and solve problems as you listen to the audiobook. Yep. It's kind of a mix of a video game and a traditional audiobook. Now, is the game ready for release yet? Or are you guys still in beta? So WonderWord is more of a, let's call it a library or a platform. So imagine you would download an app that is free on your phone device or on Alexa. And then on WonderWord, you can buy books or download books for free or stories or games or what you call it. And we plan to release this platform in May next year. Oh, May next year. It's a while. Okay, well, uh, that will be around my birthday, so uh, oh, look really? forward to that. Yes, you get a free copy of the free app. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are generous. I'm uh, going to gift it to him. I'll just reach into the app store and gift him a free app. There uh, we go. That's oh, right. Made my shopping easier. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> okay, um, Joe, go ahead and take it away. Sure. Uh, I wanted to touch on some of the things that you had talked about in regards to platforms. You were saying that this is going to come to mobile as well as PC. Is that just an initial launch and you're looking at other things like video game consoles and the Mac? Or is this kind of your path going forward through traditional avenues of distribution like Steam and mobile app stores? Well, we'd really like to do everything eventually. This is Russ speaking. Um, So we're going to start just on mobile to start small, um, but there's nothing stopping us from being on everything. It's more just about picking our battles of what we think is most appropriate. 
So mm-hmm. mobile comes first because you know everyone has one. Lots of people drive. It's always in your pocket. It's easy to walk around and engage in a store, even if you're in the grocery store, and we can start branching out to other ones as we get there. I want to go nerdy in a second about the skeletal backbone and how you approach that with storytelling, but I want to get the more geeky audio things out of the way first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The audio engine, are you considering immersive, because some of the language that you use on the website, which is wanderword.net, by the way, with some of the things that you talk about here, I wonder if you're going to have like Dolby Atmos support. Are you going to do 5.1? Are you really going to get down into that? I know initially with mobile, not so much. That's really about the headphone experience. But a lot of blind individuals who would listen to this program would be interested in like binaural technology and the like to immerse them in that kind of sound in that platform. Yeah, totally. We definitely hope to one day. Uh, We've already started some interesting experiments with the GPS locational sound as well. Um, So it's not just, you know, where you are in your room so you can hear, let's say, surround sound or 5.1, but we're actually doing location-based audio. So for example, if you're walking down the street and you have a famous landmark, let's say for argument, we're doing a Seattle city tour. Maybe you start hearing in your headphones the location of where the historic event is coming from, even from down the street. It gets louder as you get closer. So we're doing, I don't want to call it augmented reality, but it is in a way of doing a lot of interesting engine stuff that can help make it a lot more immersive, not just in your living room, but wherever you are. Well, that's interesting because that takes it out of the novel perspective and, again, gets to the platform technology language that you're using on the website. And you could see that going beyond this into audio tours, museums, or uh, even theme park amusement rides with narration. I I love the stuff that you're saying there. When we implemented, we have this kind of GPS functionality now that we play around with. And we did some fun experiments. There is a, a recording of me creating a little... GPS-based story with my two daughters who found a hidden treasure and we walked around the neighborhood and through clues and kind of checkpoints in the neighborhood, they found the secret treasure, which was a playground. And, and why I like, I did the Whitechapel tour in London uh, uh, with Jack the Ripper and it would be exciting to just put the headphones on and walk the streets of where they think the path of Jack the Ripper was throughout those dates in in the late uh, 19th century. And kind of with immersive music, uh, uh, kind of positional sounds, kind of sound beacons and information. Maybe you can even try to solve the murder mystery yourself and so on. Yeah, on the website, it mentions about how you did something like that at Microsoft East Campus in the hackathon. Yes. Yeah, it's funny you say that. So we took an IP that is owned by Microsoft. We got permission to use it for internal purposes. Uh, I can't say the name of the IP. I'm sure. sure. I promise I could wouldn't. But we what we did we turned the East Campus of Microsoft during those two days into the world of this IP, the game IP, an adventure game IP. And and it was uh, really fun because we could use the audio effects, the music and the narrative and just apply it. So we walked under this kind of build bridge building between two buildings, super modern contemporary, but the voice narrator explained it as an old bridge from the beginning of time, you know, and we walked by a pond, I think it's called Bill Gates Pond or something in between those two buildings. And that was, you know, the the pond of of the, you know, the giants or something. So it was really fun. It is 
so what Russ says, it is augmented reality. It's just that it's not visual, but for us, it's as augmented as anything. Well, I think that definition is going to be stretched and more, you know, malleable going forward. Yeah. I mean, would people have thought egress when Niantic was developing the thing they developed before Pokemon Go? True. You know, was that really something that is augmented reality? Well, yes, but not in the way that some people would think or right. define. But I, I like the concept because for a long time, a lot of individuals have wanted to have that kind of audio version of Pokemon Go, if you will, or with their new IP is going to be Harry Potter. So to have that kind of thing, whether it's a well-known IP or not, just to have something that would work with that would be very inclusive. And I, I noticed that we're mentioning mobile a lot. What the, about the traditional gaming space? Some of the things that you're talking about to get back to the skeletal points of this yeah. remind me of such touchstone games as Myst or the opening of Half-Life where you're going through an immersive on-rails experience. Yeah. Do you find that with nonlinear storytelling let's say like Lost, does that give you the ability to have the flexibility of a linear gameplay that's on rails for basic casual users? Or do you have the ability to flip the script and just do whatever you think you can with this particular platform? As uh, we're looking at each other, who's going to answer? We both have good opinions <laughs> on this, I hope. <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I love that you mentioned Half-Life. And what I've been trying to use as a good reference of how to write the Wonder World story is this beautiful illusion of choice. And I think Half-Life 2 is the best example of that. It's a yeah. it's a, an amazing game, first of all, so well produced, but it gives this sense of I am on this journey and I can make decisions as I see fit. And whether I'm at the railroad station and ducking behind train wagons and so on, I still is I'm on a very linear journey. I mean, it, right. it will go towards the inevitable end. But throughout, I am empowered to investigate things. They don't really impact the outcome, but I do feel like I'm really making decisions that are mine. And I think good Wonder World stories, they will not be kind of branching out and too complex. You should be able to keep everything in mind and not having to draw maps on a post-it note or stop and take notes. You should really just enjoy, but still feel like you make decisions for you. And I think Half-Life 2 for me is the best example of the illusion of choice and if Wonder World can replicate that in its stories, that people feel like they're making decisions, but they're still on a journey as beautifully as in Half-Life 2, then we succeeded, I think. Russ wants you... to say something as well. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say that we are definitely focused first on interactive stories, and so a lot of the questions that we answer are focused more towards what our initial experiences are. But when we're talking about from the nerdy engineering side that you wanted to bring up of what we're <laughs> capable of, we are a tech company, I think, first, especially from our yep. Microsoft background. So we are very interested in doing a lot of interesting stuff. So in the beginning, when it's an interactive narrative, yeah, we need to keep the number of things in your head that you're trying to keep track of pretty small. But one day, if we branch into a walking museum tour, like then it's more OK, because you have the actual exhibit around you that you can ask questions about. So we can just say freely, what do you want to do? Or where do you want to go? And the user can say, I'm walking to this room or tell me about the thing on the wall that you just described. So we can get very, very open in everything we do. Or like maybe one day we are integrating in a Half-Life like game where someone's playing a traditional video game, but they're talking to it through the tools and tech that we're investing in now. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, having a good mascot or interactive storyteller like 
to stay with the idea of the games we've been talking about, Half-Life 2, for those who aren't familiar with video games, is one of those seminal titles that a lot of gamers know in that it is a first-person shooter, a game where you move around and the camera is your eyes. So what we're discussing here is very similar to that, that the hearing all the information around you would be very immersive. It would be like you were interacting with a world. Um, GLaDOS would be a perfect you know, example of a mascot where somebody you know, became totally involved with one narrator providing a story, but was a very creative sound. It was something that's very recognizable. A narrator of sorts can do that. You know, with hollow lens and other types of glasses that are emerging, I like that you've been talking about that because that's what I was getting to a little bit earlier. Now, there is a visual component to this as well from what I'm reading on the website about how the spec sheet works. So it's not just auditory. You do have the ability to use this engine to allow others to involve themselves with it for others who might be low vision or have uh, perfect vision. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. And it's actually funny you mentioned HoloLens because that's what my and a little bit of Peter's background was. But I worked on HoloLens for five years before starting to work on this with Peter. And yeah. a lot of the work that we were doing there was a lot of voice-based stuff because Cortana was really big and Siri and all those texts were kind of new. So lots of people were experimenting with them. Right. Uh, and that's a big influence of our history is looking at where the progression of AI and digital assistants are coming from and just seeing how we, can we have that branded voice to do something more interactive and entertaining for you instead of just telling you how to get to the store, yeah. which is very cool, but I, there's a whole unexplored space that we haven't really gotten into yet. Well, frictionless. A lot of people are sort of stuck on control schemes or they get stuck with certain types, like the game that we've mentioned, Half-Life 2. For some people, that's hard for them to play because some people don't like a camera perspective in which it takes over their vision. They like to look at a screen and so it can make them visibly sick. For some people who listen to binaural, they can't listen to it for long because it messes with their equilibrium. It literally yeah. it does sound realistic mm -hmm. to them. So with that said, being able to interact with it with just your voice, as you mentioned on the site here, and working with Cortana, of course, many of our listeners know that from Windows 10, yeah. um, that has to provide kind of an ease of instance. And certainly Alexa and Google now give you that opportunity to interact with a voice assistant. That that had to be easier in order to pitch this to people. According to you just triggered my Alexa here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's the danger of podcasting. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Amazon and the Google assistants have to make it a lot easier for you to be able to be able to relate that tale to people on how this is going to work. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, so it is getting very ubiquitous all over the world. So people are getting very used to talking to computers. So it's been very easy for us is when you like when we boot it up or when you boot up Alexa, people kind of have an idea of how you're supposed to do it already. So they aren't trying to have totally natural conversation and they are used to saying things in a command like form or saying things very clearly or having people around them be quiet. Uh, and we're working on some of those problems, just like a lot of the rest of the research industry is on this stuff to make that thing, to make those better. But yeah, for now it is a much easier for making it more accessible for our users. Uh, and I realized I didn't really answer your question before about visuals. And largely today I see the work that's being done in conversational UI or voice UI in general to be more of a data problem than tech. Right. So one of the reasons why, although Wanderword could easily be a 
feature that gets implemented in Unity or the Unreal or other game engines where you could start having conversations with characters in, let's say, Half-Life 2. It's a hard data problem for game developers to be able to have good conversations with the user just because of the massive amount of ways that people might answer a question. Sure. Uh, so one of the interesting things that we're doing is by staying audio-focused, we're keeping the barrier of entry for making WanderWord-enabled experiences very low to try to get huge amounts of that data so we can help contribute into making that ecosystem better for everyone, too. Yeah, so even minimal visuals so that way you have a wide audience would work. It wouldn't necessarily be a trapping of the gameplay, but an additional addition for those who feel comfortable in a visual environment rather than a non-visual environment in those platforms that would kind of lean in that direction. Yeah, and it's all even so that if you have a visual impairment and you listen to the stories, nothing prevents us from actually having a completely visual experience where text is actually kind of appearing on the screen with images to represent the kind of ambience of a situation or a room. So people even who can't hear can also play Wonder World as we progress with this project. The first is the word of a story. It's, it's digital. It exists either spoken through a speech synthesizer. We don't use voice actors. So whether that is spoken or written on the screen or printed on the screen on a mobile, mobile device doesn't really matter to us. Right. It's all data. Well, you, you mentioned that about actors and voice work. Tell me a little bit about the voice synthesis, uh, because there's some heavy hitting movies that you cite here as uh, something that you could use in order to augment voices or to have that kind of immersive sound, like if you're on an alien world or speaking to a dragon or that like. Yeah, yeah. it's Russ again. <laughs> He's the engineer. Uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of really cool tech in there, but mostly we're just integrating and finding the best partners in the world we can right now. Right. Uh, so we recently have signed, I guess signed a right deal. Word. Okay, so we've signed deals with a company called Saraproc and another company called Krotos that are both out of the UK. Out of, funny enough, out of Edinburgh, yeah. both of them. Oh, wow. Okay. And they're providing some of the best in class in the world right now of speech synthesis and um, voice modulation or just sound modulation in general. So without voice actors, like we're not going to have an accent quite yet that is as good as Sean Connery, but the text's getting there and will one day. Uh, but in the meantime, we can get you know good sounding foreign accents or monster sounds where you can hear a Scottish accent as a goblin or however mm-hmm. else you want to mix and match these things together. Sure. Today, you don't get quite the let's say emotional impact that you get from, of course, a you know a good voice actor that's employed to do this, but it's right. pretty good. Uh, and as far as getting the accessibility out of it, it helps a lot. Because some people have a hard time hearing accents if they have little hearing impairments or that they need it to go slower because maybe English isn't their first language. And when we're using Thinsifis, we can, let's say you can strip out the accent if you really can't understand it or strip off the goblin speech or slow the whole thing down or change it into a pitch range that you have better hearing for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also from a scalability perspective, the text exists in a digital format. This Seraproc is a speech synthesizer technology. They support, I think it's 25 languages. For us to use a translator to translate English stories into Spanish, German, French, using a good translator service, and then actually play it through a French speech synthesizer, we can scale and have stories, or we call them stories, playable (laughs) multiple languages without having to hire or find voice actors that are up for the task or pay voice actors. Uh, and it's, it's also 
So it, it kind of streamlines the pro whole process using speech synthesis. Plus, yeah. we get all the combinations that you could just never scale out to if you were actually trying to use voice actors for everything like a French goblin. <laughs> right. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan of the Persona series, so naturally I have to wait for those games to be translated yeah, in yeah, the yeah, United yeah. States. So that sounds exactly like what I'm thinking of for my Japanese RPG kind of uh, playthroughs. Mm -hmm. But none of that matters uh, as far as the technology goes unless there's an amazing story. And um, yes. tell me about this story with Natalie French and uh, give our listeners an idea of what this first story is going to be about and what they're going to be going into into this world. Yeah, this Don't is... give away the ending. No, no I'm not going to give away the, the ending. I do I? Do I? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> then everyone who's listened has to sign an NDA with us and that'll be messy. Gotcha. <laughs> so uh, 63rd and Wallace is this idea for... Uh, I, I think it started as actually kind of a traditional console game idea I had years ago about like a survival horror game if people play those like Silent Hill and Resident Evil and you're trapped in this murder castle of H.H. H. Holmes in Chicago in 1893, you're kind of inspired on, from a true story. So I took that story with me when, when we started to do Wonder World. And we think it's a really good theme. Suspense horror is highest on the list of most popular books and genres and audiobooks. And I'm not a writer. Russ is not a writer. He's an excellent programmer. So we thought, let's find the right person for the job. So by speaking to authors, a friend of ours, Chanel Bremont, she found Natalie, their friends, and Natalie looked at this and she loved the idea. And she loves the idea of the medium of actually writing stories that involves the reader, not only kind of have them sit quietly and follow her journey. So. It was really fun to find her. She has a great writing talent, and we're looking forward to release that with the app on May 2nd next year. And we're going to release a lot of information, not the ending, as we work on it so people can experience some of the gameplay in it. Was it's she a gamer? She's not a gamer, I think. And I, I've been very, I've been presenting Wonder World to game designers and gamers. Right. And they, turn it immediately into a game, blue key to blue door, and sure. very kind of, in a way, mechanical, rational. And then I've been presenting Wonder World to writers, and they are usually very protective of the worlds that they create and the inhabitants right. in it. They don't want people to mess with it. They want to be the ones telling the story. And I think what we found in Natalie was that she was, as a writer, very open to the idea that people can go in and actually challenge the story that she is creating and making choices inside it. So. I think she's the perfect balance to write this story. I like that it's a challenge, right? Because it's new for her and she finds it interesting and interactive storytelling because you're right. Some people who've made that transition back and forth and Peter, you and I have, and Russ more than likely have played some really horrible games that have had writers attached to them. Yes. And there's a trapping involved in that where you want to be true to the author's work, but you don't necessarily want to be confined by it either. Right. So that's an interesting marriage. Yeah. And I think that during the creative writing that she's doing now, when she sends us kind of early versions of the chapters, our job, I feel, will be to ensure that we have, and we call it the escape room mechanics, baked in naturally into the narrative. She's focusing on the character creation, and we have puzzles and problem solving throughout, which she will then put into the story with her beautiful wording, so to speak. So it's a right. collaborative effort. We need to safeguard all, all three of us, that 63 does not become a kind of a, a thin game 
and a rich story. It has to be a rich story with rich gameplay. It's a fine dance to dance, but we should be able to crack it. Well, it's kind of word content in general is we need to find what that good balance is. And maybe the answer is that there's just going to be a broad set and people can play something as engaging as they want, just like computer games today. Sure. Um, but Seattle's a good opportunity for this, just coincidentally works great for us in that there are a lot of game companies around here and there are a lot of writers around here. Yeah. And there's a lot of really big IP holders like Halo and Wizards of the Coast and you know everything else that's out here, even Dungeons and Dragons and um, Lord of the Rings. So there are a lot of classically trained writers that have made the transition into being narrative game designers as well. So we actually have a lot of people around us that we can talk to that are specifically trained for this type of task. And so we can get, you know, all three types and explore together. Yeah, that's an excellent point. It's because of the weather. It rains all the time. So you either make <laughs> video games or you write books. This yeah. is true. Yeah. It's it happens for, right now. Happens to Stephen King in Maine as well, I yeah, think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's almost like to use another video game term, and I'm sorry, listeners, it's just that I'm a gamer. It's almost like you're trying to create the best pack-in game to show off your system and inspire others, but also try and show as much as you can with holding something back for your next title or your next chapter, if you will. So, it's so true, everything you say that it's exactly right. And I've been a game developer for many years and joined Microsoft in December. It's 10 years, so fairly long time, being with Xbox and working. We call it first party. So if you're Sony doing the PlayStation or your Nintendo doing the Switch or DS and your Xbox or Microsoft doing the Xbox console, you have these what we call them first party titles. So for Xbox, that is, well, nowadays it's Minecraft, but it's also Halo, Gears of War, Forza, those big games that really showcase how the power or the amazing aspect of the console. Nintendo has Mario and Zelda. Sony has Uncharted, God of War, big, big games for you who don't know, like movie production size games. And they, and I have experienced that we use those titles to showcase the, the kind of the greatness of, of our device, that we, the hardware that we're selling. And we, we're applying this exactly thinking with 63rd. It will be the benchmark title to show this is what a, how you can experience it from a user perspective, a great spooky, in this case, immersive story with great fun gameplay. And to show the people that the Wonder World platform is an exciting platform to, to get buy stories from, but also to inspire writers to say, come to our platform. This is what you can do with it. And 63rd should be that benchmark title. We call it the first party title. That's exactly right. So you're right on. I wouldn't even say we're holding back, though, um, just because the, the, the space, again, that we're talking about is so broad that we can't possibly make something of amazing quality in every category. No. So maybe we'll go for some really good narratives, but we're probably not going to touch the whole museum tour guide thing right now. But on launch, when the tools are ready, people will already be able to make that. So I think it'll be a mix of here's some showcase titles so customers and developers or authors can have a good understanding of the quality that's possible. And then probably a whole collection of little small examples or guidelines or um, help of this is how you might script something like a tour guide so people can start getting those ideas and then create those best-in-class things that we won't even have time to look at. So Russ is mentioning an important thing, and sorry if we kind of jumping back and forth, but we are releasing next year, not in May, but during 2018, we're going to release a free editor so anyone who can type or speak can actually create 
stories and self-launch these, sell them or share them with others. We're going to support the, the kind of geolocation. So this editor will be free for all. The app is free. And then in the marketplace, that's when they can sell these stories. Right. So you could write your own story about your town and add images or speech to it. You type the speech synthesizer speaks. You don't need to hire any voice actors. You can buy sound effects. If you want to write a story about medieval times, you buy the medieval sound pack, 20 sound effects from horses to marketplaces or dungeons. And then you just type away and create the branching in your story as you want. That's great because, you know, there are a few blind coders that listen to this particular show who right. who look for things like some of the new accessibility plugins in Unity and, and others. Yeah. Um, and so that is great if, if you can just start to begin to learn your craft through something like this and then graduate on to something more robust. But yeah. it's good that you could do that. And then you can see it in the education field where, you know, welcome to your first day of school. Here's where the lockers are, that kind of thing. I mean, that's yeah, why yeah. I think is really interesting is that it starts in a game situation, but branches off to so many other things. And I, I say that as someone who has a file manager on his Xbox, you know, who can import things and play them with VLC or other formats that are available. Because when people say you have a talking Xbox, I said, I have a talking computer that just so happens to play games foremost. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It does all this other stuff too. And I, I think that gets back to what you were saying is, is the engine is so creative in that you can apply just anything to it. And once when you have a good backbone, then it can have anything. It's like a, a float in a parade at that point. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's nearly a double-edged sword though, because we need to, we get so excited of the opportunities. Sure. Uh, so for us, we would love to like the museum thing or Jack the Ripper or, right. or you know, kids stories, even education to your point. It's, it would take with the editor we have now, it would take me five minutes to do a super simple math prob, uh, story where two kids have an apple each. How many apples do they have together? And my daughter right. is seven. She could play. It. it takes five minutes to make that. So there's really no limit, but that's also a double edged sword. So we need to stay focused. 6030 is a premium title. We want to have four titles at launch. We don't know exactly what they are, but we know we want some sort of children or family kind of um, story to the same quality of 63rd and then two other genres right. um, to show show the breadth. But the rest, we really hope and we encourage the, the users uh, to to con contribute with their stories that they are passionate about. Well, sure. And the free editor. Well, and if you had somebody like, let's say, an audio-based company like Big Finish, who does the Doctor Who audios, or Graphic Audio, who does the Marvel comics titles, um, and if they would move into an interactive branch, or even as a demo, they could do that. I mean, there's so many things that you can do once when you have that uh, engine available to creative types, because I, yeah. I hear what you're saying. It's that balance between the technical and the creative, which yeah. is always the issue that can happen to some people is the cry engine. Okay, wait, that, that was another game moment. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> guys. Another, yeah, that was another sorry. game reference. Sorry, sorry. That's no, you know your stuff. That's good. Great. This is fantastic. Uh, we're, we're saying May is the tentative launch. Does that mean you guys are going to have a booth at E3? You're going to do the rounds, <laughs> a game developer conference? I don't uh, think we can afford a booth at E3. <laughs> I have been to 20 of them, actually, in 20 consecutive years. Uh, I, I know the square fee they have, but we certainly will keep everyone updated on wonderword.net. It's okay. Wonder Word, so we wonder with an A. It's my Swinglish accent that makes it hard to hear. <laughs> WonderWord.net. And we're also going to post a lot of Facebook and LinkedIn and 
make sure that we keep everyone who's curious about what we do updated. And then we hope to join various shows. I mean, Russ here, he goes to many with his uh, game development studio, and we sure. might just piggyback on his. <laughs> We're super excited and so grateful that you wanted to to learn more about Wonderworld. We are very excited. I am extremely excited because every movement into this field is always a good one because there's so many possibilities that come into it. And more than before, the delivery mechanisms are there. You know, people yeah. who've tried to do this in the past have had the issue of what platform do we put this on? How do we get it to the widest audience possible? Is this going to be a web only kind of situation and you're limited? And that's just not the case anymore. Right. It, it's certainly changed. And when we deploy uh, on May 2nd, deploy the client, it should exist on all the platforms that make sense to us at stage one. So. Great. Would you be interested in coming back and talking about it a little bit more closer to launch? When it's more We'd love to. We'd love to. Excellent. This is Larry Turnbull, by the way. When you said this is coming out in May, is it going to come out? It's going to be mobile. Is it going to come out on both iOS and Android, or which one is it going to come out first? Uh, that's the plan, yeah. Okay, so you're going to get it on both of them at the same time. Yep. Great. And we're talking to Amazon fairly frequently about being on Alexa uh, sure. The reason why we haven't really put that in the plan is they haven't really had any plan how to monetize skills. No, they're too busy monetizing Twitch. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> so we will probably be, Alexa would make sense, of course, but we just need to figure out how we can somehow not lose money on that version. Uh, they do have paid skills, but I know, starting now, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying in that way. That's interesting. And Google does not have a paid version, but give them time because they'll copy whatever, you know, Amazon is doing yeah, yeah, yeah. They in that direction. Chasing each other. So as the development goes on throughout fall and winter and spring, we will obviously support those. They make a lot of sense, but it might not be at launch. Do you see it as like a universal Windows app at some point as well and just doing cross-platform in that direction? Or is it just, again, wait and see kind of moment? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Peter, by no, the start. Not at all. Um, probably not for launch, um, just yeah. because everyone already has a phone and that's a more yeah. accessible way to play. But yeah, definitely. Um, the tech on the platform side is pretty easy so there's some small differences here and there like how do you play on audio on one device or the other or how do you access the microphone uh, but so much of the core logic of how everything works is very easily portable that it's really more about focus of what we want people to pay attention to more than it is about the programming side well it's funny so you should say that my, uh, our 15 year old is my test subject for things like this and i'm kind of Curious to see how he takes to Super Lucky's Tale now that it's kind of moved over from VR onto the actual controls of an Xbox controller to see how that kind of sort of works. But it's fascinating to me because, again, I've been doing this for so long as a player and doing some QA over the years. But it's always interesting to see that jump, that that idea of can it go over here? You know, can somebody sub will somebody accept it on well, like Doom on the Switch? You know, it's still Doom, but it's 30 frames. Yeah, but it's still Doom. You know, yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. Thing, so. yeah, I get that. I'm yeah. going to play L.A. Noir on my Switch on, on vacation and see how that is. I would be interested to hear uh, some of the bugs I was seeing on the retro sites were saying that the audio was shifted in such a way that it sounds like the person is behind you. Oh, really? And that the audio seemed like one of the things that suffered in the port, like they concentrated completely on visuals, but not as much on audio, oh, which is really yeah. interesting. And when you were talking about Whitechapel and stuff, my mind kept going to Resident Evil 7 
so much because yeah. the audio is done so well in that oh, game. It's it just really too good. That creepy vibe. And I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> so, <laughs> so everything in that is true. Um, I won't say that I have any relatives that I won't go visit, but <laughs> let's just say there's a certain time of the year that I don't want to, there, that my, my cousin had a wedding and, uh, her, her husband was in the society for creative anachronism. And yeah. so they were going to go out there out to the woods and pretend to be knights and lords and ladies. Oh uh, we, we went out there and they were like, you know, you can sleep out here. We rented this place. The cabins were like camp crystal Lake. I, I just was walking around going, shh, shh, shh. and I was just like, I can't stay out here. I'm going to, I'm going to get a hotel, <laughs> literally going to get a hotel. I cannot be out here. But yeah, it, it, it kind of has that kind of vibe when you go out into the swamp country, especially at night. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. freaky sounds, uh, <laughs> especially if you're not familiar with those animals and that sound and the bog and you can feel the mist coming up off the ground. Kind you of need thing. to bring a, a recorder there and get some sounds for 63rd, maybe. There you go. Peter, if you get closer and you need a QA or testers, um, uh, there's, I there's was a thinking bunch of that actually, happy I would love to, to help you here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll definitely... Add you to the list. No problem. It makes me nervous to think that people will try it and they might not, it might just break, but we'll take that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm kind. I'm good. (laughs) If people are interested in testing, is there a place they can write to to um, inquire? We could probably kind of, that's a good point, Jason. Uh, We could put up on the webpage, like, I'm interested in this, or I'll be interested in testing it, and then have just a simple kind of sign up page. That's a good idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, even if you do a simple mailing list for now and eventually yeah. release that as you get closer within your, you know, 120 window or something like that. Yeah, that's a good know, point. Thank soft you test that. your servers. Yeah. Well, this is a good audience for that. So if you want to yeah, test exactly server load right. or what have you, uh, because uh, blind people have a lot of time on their hands and they love audio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I've been good. doing IT work for probably about 20, almost 25 years, so I'm you know, used to testing and oh, cool. programming right. and stuff like that. So. Consider you all guinea pigs. <laughs> Happy to do so. Right. I'm, Thank you. I'm done with Persona 5. My window's open. So. <laughs> okay, very cool. This is fabulous. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you, Peter. Yeah, thank, thank you. You too, Russ. Thank you so much for explaining that. Yeah, you too. It was Thanks, a pleasure guys. to have you on the show. Peter has arranged a number of WanderWord demos for us. There are four here, and each have a corresponding description. I'm going to read each description and play the demo after each one. WanderWord 1, Lala. My daughter Lillian, Lala, was three years and one day old in 2013 when I tried an early version of WanderWord on her. She was obviously a little too young, but I was impressed at how she just embraced the audio UI and played a little fairy tale I wrote in five minutes. You can extrapolate from this the application for education, which is interesting. Is the storyteller. What is your name? Lala. That's a beautiful name. Lala, it rhymes with koala. (coughs) Let's tell a story together. Once upon a time, there was a princess who lived alone in a castle. What color was the castle, Lala? Um, 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 pink. Great color. The castle was pink as a cute little piglet. One day, the princess was walking around in her rose garden. 
In the castle pond she saw a friendly frog, jumping up and down on a lily pad. The frog stopped, and looked at her. Hello princess, I'm all alone in this pond. I wish I had a friend. Do you want to play with me? Yes. And said, I'm so happy. Let's jump on the lily pads. Done. Was it fun? Mm-hmm. Wanderword 2, speaking back to Wanderword. Our software development kit and client are powerful. In this audio file, the character in our Wanderword story, 63rd and Wallace, meets the evil H.H. H. Holmes for the first time. He appeared from the back room of the reception and moved elegantly towards me. A well-dressed, middle-aged, but odd-looking character. Greasy, gray, stripes of hair combed to the side, partly covered his bald head, topped by a large, red fez. His dry lips were hidden behind a prominent, waxed mustache that made his face look unnaturally small, nearly comical. A tired smile slowly appeared, displaying a set of yellow and brown tainted teeth. His voice broke the silence. Good evening. I'm looking for my sister. With no signs of surprise by the rather direct nature of my question, he said with a smile. I assume you believe that this sister of yours resides in this building. Very well. I'd be delighted to inquire. Does your sister have a name? Yes, Caroline Weatherford. We do indeed have a Caroline Weatherford. According to the registry, she is one of the cleaning maids. How incredibly nice of her sister to visit. He grabbed a key from the key rack. And... Wonder Word 3. Just to showcase the power of immersion when simply combining various sounds, I pulled together this and the next audio file exclusively for you guys. There is a short melody of a flute followed by a bustling town square environment with dogs and horses. Wanderword 4, same as 3, but now with Seraproc speech synthesizer using Scottish accent of a female character as overlay. It's rather impressive to combine speech synthesis with ambient backgrounds for mood and sound effects for objects, people, and events. Once upon a time, just outside the small town of Burroughs Lane, in the kingdom of Rose Hills, there lived a young girl with the name of Lillian. Hey there, it's Debbie Hazelton, and I thought I'd tell you about a device that we just got here in this house that I think is pretty interesting. In case you ever need such a device for any number of reasons, there are a lot of other things out there, but I was pretty impressed that this one was found. So we have someone 
in the house who has Alzheimer's dementia and we have had an increasing need to know where he is to know if he gets up to know that if he's moving around we want to make sure that we're with him so that he doesn't fall and or so that he isn't always trying to go to sleep and come back to bed and he can sleep in his chair in the den but we don't want him going back to bed and we don't want him falling which has happened so miss des my friend who uh, des and tony and i all take care of tommy the guy who has the alzheimer's dementia tommy is their dad and um and i'm just like a family member living here so the name of the company now is Personal Safety Corporation and the device is a caregiver alert system. I think she paid 168 and then there were other things that were added on and I'm not sure how much. The device consists of a pager, a single pager. It is a box that I guess it's maybe three inches wide, four inches high, and it has a single button on it. It has some little holes in it for a speaker. You open it up and that's where the controls are and where the batteries are. So this was not something that I set up. I did not pick the sounds. Tony did. And it is a visual thing to set up, but I did call them and they said, if you want one and you call them and you mention, you can mention me if you want, but mention that you are blind or visually impaired and you need help, they'll set it up for you and then ship it out. So it comes with three motion sensors. These sensors are little boxes. I'd never seen one before, but they're slightly bigger than this remote. They have an on-off switch and you can also turn them the other way if you don't want them to go off at a particular time. They can all be customized with different sounds. Since this remote pager holds four items, we also got a chair pad that's in the den. So we have one motion sensor in the bedroom, one in the bathroom, and one at one end of the den and then this pressure pad in the chair in the den. We also got a pull cord for the bathroom, but I don't think we're gonna use it because he might not remember to pull it, or there are cases where people have fallen and can't reach that pull cord. So we don't think that's safe. So I wanna let you hear what this is like. I'm in the bedroom and I'm gonna walk where the motion sensor will go off. This is, now we're doing this around the clock. So when we hear this in the night, we take turns having this remote pager and we get up. Whoever has the pager gets up and comes to be with him if he's going to the bathroom or, or needs anything. So I am walking through here and it's going to go off as if uh, he was moving in his bed. There's the sound. So if I push it, now, as soon as I move, it's gonna go off again. Yep. So I can hold it down and I can move around and it won't keep going off. So now if I release it, that's as if it would go off because I walked by it. I'm going into the bathroom, just holding that button down. And now we're gonna have a different sound. Yeah, there it is. Okay. 
When we hear that sound, we know he's in the bathroom. So now I'm going into the part of the den, and we haven't been using this one as much since we got this pressure pad, but I'm going to this one, and this is so cute, this one. Tony picked out all these sounds, but let's see, I'm picking up this, there we go. So we go around singing, who let the dogs out? <laughs> so now I'm walking through the den over to where his chair is. And we have felt a need to know because he can get up real quietly. So we want to know when he gets up. So I'm going to sit in his chair. And now I'm going to get up from his chair. There we go. So now we know if he gets up. Okay, so that is the system. The woman you can ask for, they do have people set up by state, but if you want to talk to the woman I spoke with, her name is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-Y-N. She'll transfer you if you're in another state that she doesn't handle, but she will segue and say that they did say they would be more than willing to help us. They're a small group. I think they only have a couple of people working on this device. I think there's someone there who designed it. And there are a lot of other devices out there that will do this. So you can always shop around if you don't want this one. But I was pretty impressed. I didn't know there was anything that would do all these things. 800-373-2873. 800-373-2873. Okie dokie, caregiver alert system. One of my friends wants it for his doggy door to know when his dog is going out. And I told them about it. They said that could be arranged. The website is securesafetysolutions.com. Thanks so much for listening. And may everyone in your life, including you, be safe always. Jason here once again. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the Mac and Twitter it's not really a macadamia session, maybe with enough feedback. If somebody wants me to get into this in more detail, I will. But for those of you who use Twitter on the Mac often, you may have noticed how we're pretty limited with our choices. One of my favorite Twitter clients was Eurofukuru, or Night Owl, as it's otherwise known. And... It's been a great client. It has lots of flexibility and you can customize it quite a bit. However, it doesn't seem to keep up with the latest changes in Twitter. For example, you can't quote tweets. You can retweet. And furthermore, you cannot necessarily read the quoted tweets. If you are using Night Owl and you're reading along and you see a tweet that's quoted, you'll see part of it. You'll see the part that someone added, but then it just shows a URL which points to the original. I found this rather frustrating, and I was really hoping that Night Owl would come along. It just hasn't, though. I started using Twitter, the native Twitter client made by Twitter on the Mac, and that was a stopgap measure. I wasn't extremely pleased with it, but I was happy that I could at least quote tweets and read the quoted tweets. It had a sluggish feel to it, 
it also would crash after a few days if I left it open. And yeah, it was just a little bit strange. Later, I learned that Twitterific was in the process of raising funds so that they could do a total refresh on their Mac client. I became very interested. However, I didn't learn about it in time to actually donate, so I wasn't one of those who was able to beta test what Twitterific was up to. However, recently, Twitterific released their Mac client, and for $19.99, it can be had through the Mac App Store. So I grabbed it, and I am very, very pleased with it. They seem to be very responsive to feedback and have already made some minor release updates that fix things, that enhance things. It's quite incredible. I can zip around with it. I can do all that I need to do. And yes, I can see quoted tweets and quote them as well. I have a number of lists that I use in order to minimize all the tweets and just focus on those that I want to see. Those show up beautifully, and I can keep track of where I am, even if I quit and come back. So I wanted to let people know about Twitterific for the Mac. If you haven't tried it and you're looking for something better for the native Twitter client or Night Owl, give it a shot. I do not think you will be disappointed. KNFB Reader has a sale going 50% off on the iOS, Android, and Windows version. This begins today, November 24th, and goes through the 30th. Main Menu is brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It can be heard on ACB Radio Mainstream every Friday beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern and repeating every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can listen by pointing any connected device to acbradio.org mainstream, use ACB link for iOS, call 605-475-8130, or grab it as a podcast. Do you have a demo for a product you have recorded, or do you have ideas for what you'd like to hear? Feedback can always be sent to mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also reach us on Twitter at mainmenu. Thank you so much, and on behalf of all of us here on the Main Menu team, we hope you had a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. See you next time.